Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Today's episode of 4 to 6 with AMB is brought to you by GameTime. Okay, time for a pop quiz. Do you think Ohio State tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with GameTime. The ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. GameTime is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from the seat where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4-6 to with A&B. Ari, um, what have the last like 15 hours been like for you? I want the people to know how dedicated you are to them. True crime podcasts, 85 miles an hour, and a lot of uh, trips to side gas stations. Uh, The wedding was rowdy. Didn't end up leaving New York till last night, and I'm in Bill Landis' living room at 10 a.m., uh, Monday morning State for this Virginia. podcast and somehow of all the stuff I went through you messed up welcome the word welcome 
to start the podcast. You don't the very to, first word. You don't have to let people know that. I just put you not, on. I just put you on blast. Welcome back to. Let's start again. I choked my own tongue. Talking sort. It is sometimes. The first word he swallowed his own tongue. Sometimes it's hard to say. The, my problem is I like to get into it real fast. And yeah, then, and then I, I trip over trip over my words. Um, great wedding, great weekend, um, big week coming up, and uh, we're just here to to give you guys the goods. You know, my my sleep is is secondary to you guys getting this podcast, and I'm glad to say that I'm good with that. It's called dedication. This is four to six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast on the Athletic. I'm Bill Landis with a sleep deprived Ari Wasserman. Thank you for listening. If you could please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, that would help us out greatly. If you are not subscribed to The Athletic, you can still get subscribed at theathletic.com slash 4-6, and that will still get you 40% off. And it's an important time. Ohio State's coming off the bye. Going on the road on Friday at Northwestern. Six games here to finish out the regular season. There is another bye week mixed in, which is kind of strange. It's going to restart and then stop and then restart again, but... Northwestern and Wisconsin here before the next bye week. Big stretch for Ohio State. But my first question for you, Ari, has really nothing to do with Ohio State. It has something to do with Ohio State. And my question is, uh, it's a two-parter. One, why the hell did Justin Fields go to Georgia? Two, once he got there, why'd they let him leave? The number two question is the fun question. That's the one we've been talking about on this podcast since we started it. Um, I get going to Georgia. You know, I don't high. I mean, I know the way they I mean, play football. I feel like I was watching Wisconsin. I know, but when he was being recruited, did Ohio State rec- they weren't developing? No, no. You know, when you, when you talk about like, but he was committed this, to Penn State. He yeah. was committed to the Joe Moorhead offense. That offense. I mean, was he awesome. could have gone anywhere in the country. And I get the idea. Like Georgia's recruiting classes were crazy in that moment, and you know they were coming back. And you know, I think I could get the appeal of going to a place that you know has national championship aspirations every year and. I'll tell you what, guys. If you think that their playoff discussion's over, you're you're high. <laughs> I mean, it was a bad loss, but you know they they string together a few wins and they're back in the SEC championship game. Just beat Florida. You know, it's going to be a, Georgia is going to be a main fixture in this conversation going down the line. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that the idea was the thing I never understood about going to Georgia was that Fromm started as a freshman. And it was very abundantly clear. I don't know if my timelines are going to get mixed up here, but if he thought he was going to play before his third year in the program, that wouldn't have been the place I would have gone. Correct. So that that is the most confusing thing out of anything. But the biggest question is, does Ohio State have a better starting quarterback than Georgia? And I didn't watch the whole game. Uh, You know how you do that stuff where you take – uh, fraudulent pictures of you helping the groom get ready like he's not an adult. You know, they're like, okay, you over here, why don't you help him put his cufflinks in? They were already on. We took them off and put them back on. And, you know, this guy is not a photojournalist because there's number one rule of photojournalism is you can't stage yeah, pictures. Stage Every photo. single wedding yeah. photo that was taken was staged. There's a, there there's was a, not one candidate in that entire room. There's but, a photo of me somewhere of one of my good buddies tying my shoe. Like yeah. I'm a four-year-old child who doesn't know how to tie my shoe. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I had my hand wrapped around my best friend's neck, putting his bow tie on. Newsflash, guys. I don't know how to tie a freaking bow tie. Um, but the Georgia game was on in the room. And while we were drinking our Bud Light Limes and getting ready for the day, I was watching it, and I just remember some of the horrid picks he threw. And that yeah. seemed to be the the um, trend of all the post-game coverage in terms of just the way he played. And he did make that really – did you watch the game? 
I was slipping back and forth between that and the Texas, Oklahoma game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he hit a, a pass to send the game to overtime in the fourth quarter with like 30 seconds left in the back of the end zone. That was the perfect ball. Yeah. So I don't want to like that. overreact to a loss and go, Jake Fromm is the worst quarterback ever because that's not the case. I mean, he put he put Georgia back in the national title conversation last year. They're back in it this year. They will continue to be in it. But with the tools that Justin Fields has, that's the whole reason I came into the season skeptical. Because now that we see all the things that we've seen, the questions that I had in my head before the year about this being a transcendent athlete and all the things that he does from a physical standpoint, it makes even less sense now. It makes even less sense. It makes less sense to you that he would not have been the starter there? That they would do anything to let him go. Yeah. I would, it, yeah. Honestly, I know it's so much easier to say now. And like you and I have gotten into shouting matches about this in the Woody Hayes Center. In the team, like right in front of where the team uh, does their daily meetings. Outside that door. Do you remember when you and I got into a shouting match about whether or not JT should have been the starter? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was like in between. We were like outside of the offensive staff meeting room. Yeah, it was in between the team meeting room and the staff meeting room. And there might have been a meeting taking place. There usually is. And I yeah. know that there are a lot of things that go into naming and keeping a starting quarterback, right? Team um, unity, you know, players supporting. And I think that's all very real. Leadership, being a captain, continuity. You know, more more things go into it than just who's better, right? Mm-hmm. But if I were a head coach, and I mean this, and I'm not, and I don't have all the money that goes with it, unfortunately. Someday. I try to when I stop off at casinos in, in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, <laughs> but so far, uh, still kind of go for it. But I would start the better player. And I yep. would, if I were the head coach at Georgia and Justin Fields was on my team still, there would be a legit quarterback battle. Well, and if I were yeah. the head coach out of Ohio State two years ago, uh, Jay, Dwayne Haskins would have been the starting quarterback. And I don't want you – he's already leaning into the mic. I think you're ready to shout at me again. No, no, I'm worried. My computer's making a strange noise. And it I'm is making gonna, a strange noise. I'm worried it's going to explode. You can, file, you can file suit if that happens. That's true. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, I'm actually starting to get concerned about it too. That's all right. And I'm the guy that got distracted by the jackhammer outside the hotel room in Iowa. So, um, we'll be okay. You have apple care on that bad boy? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so he seems the ones you don't insure are the ones that explode. Just yeah, so you know, be making a run to the Apple Store later today. We'll see. No, I see your point. I see your point on, and I don't disagree with it. I don't, at least on the base level, I don't disagree with the idea. Like if one's more talented, and clearly Justin Fields is a little more talented than Jake. No, Fromm. I think he's more talented. I mean, better. I think Jake Fromm is better for what Georgia clearly wants to be on offense than what Justin Fields yeah. is. If you put Justin Fields in that offense, you're wasting him. Yeah. Which is why I asked the first question that I asked. It's so strange to me that he even considered going there, and who knows what the conversations were going into it. But he left. He decommitted. All right, now we're, now we're cooling down. This is when it goes. <laughs> uh, he left an offense, or he decommitted from a program that had an offense that would have been perfect for his skill set at Penn State to go to a team in Georgia that plays like – closer to Wisconsin, like I said at the beginning, than it does to Penn State. Mm-hmm. And one, it doesn't make much sense to me that they play that way because of the athletes that they recruit. Just you feel like you're mismanaging your personnel by doing that if you want to play ball control We're talking about a program that had Nicole Hardman. Yeah. They and have, like the best uh, running backs and Pickens. And and Pickens and, and, yeah, like when they yeah. have had really good running backs, which is why partly you, you play that way, but you don't have to play. 
You don't have, you to, have to play that way. You don't have yeah. to run the ball 50 times a game just because you have really good running backs. Also, Ohio State has illustrated pretty well that you can have a legit running game with really good running backs out of the different type of offense. You don't have to – just because you have good running backs doesn't mean you have to line them up at eye and, and jam them down the defensive throat. You could still be a power running team through the spread. Correct. But I was thinking as I was watching it, like why did why did he even go to Georgia in the first place? And then as you, as the game develops, and there was there was conversation last year, but like Jake Fromm, I think in the middle of the year was a little iffy, and people were, were calling for Justin Fields to play. And then Fromm got better at the end of the year, and then they went back to the SEC championship game. So it's not like I'm not sitting here telling you that Georgia's season is lost. They're they're very talented, um, and Jake Fromm is a good quarterback who's going to play in the NFL. I just it, it's apparent to me, like you said, that Justin Fields is better than him. So I don't know. I don't know how we ended up in this position where Justin Fields is now at Ohio State and Georgia is losing to South Carolina twenty to seventeen. Do you think he's better than him? Do right I now, after watching that game, do you think Justin Fields is better than Jake Fromm? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. So to me, and I don't cover Georgia. You don't cover Georgia. Do not. But as I went on my preseason Justin Fields Georgia rant, if Justin Fields is better than Jake Fromm. Kirby Smart mismanaged his team. Yeah. It's the same. How comparable do you think it is to JT and Dwayne in 2017? And they didn't lose Dwayne. I don't so know how different. people at Georgia view from from the inside. Like, people view JT as, like, the greatest leader in the history of Ohio State football. Mm-hmm. So that definitely makes it more difficult. Like, the first three-time captain in program history, is that the stat? Yes, and then we'll have another one next year in Tough Borland. Yeah. So, yeah, now that you have 400 captains every year, the whole roster is a captain. Like, it's easier to, to get that. Not taking away the accomplishment, but if you have eight or nine captains a year, it does make it, it does easier. does diminish the accomplishment a little bit, yeah. Um, but that doesn't diminish the way people felt about JT. I think Urban Meyer loved JT Barrett the way he loved Tim Tebow. Absolutely. So that definitely makes it more interesting. I don't know if Kirby Smart loves Jake Fromm the way that Urban loved JT. But it is a very complex scenario because you can a coach can always sit back in his chair and say, "You want me to bench the guy that took us to the SEC championship last year and almost beat Alabama to win the SEC last year?" You can always yeah. say that. Took him to a national championship. Yeah, two years ago. No, I, I mean, I guess I see that side of it. too. And they could have won it if they didn't have a huge breakdown in their secondary. Like he, like yeah. we could be sitting here right now referring if he, if nothing about Jake Fromm's. Ability changed. He theoretically could be a national championship winning quarterback if mm-hmm. it didn't turn into the Tua show. Right. Yeah. So I think that makes it difficult to say outright that that he made a mistake. You know what I mean? The only I, mistake is is that you, as a coach, want to have longevity in your program. And trading three years or two years of Justin Fields for one more year of Fromm is a mismanagement. Especially if you consider the fact that Georgia might still be in the same position with Fields as their quarterback this year. But the thing that you also have to take into account, too, is that I don't know if they were in a position where they wanted to restructure their entire offense. Because if Justin Fields, how many, pers- like if you had to just guess being uneducated watching that game, how many snaps came from under center? Would you say 50%? Yeah, about that. Yeah. I don't know if you want Justin Fields taking 50% of your snaps from under center. So they'd have to rejigger their entire offense. Which I guess goes back to, like, I, I guess you recruit him anyway. Like if Justin Fields wants to come to your school, you don't say no. If he wanted to go to Navy, trust me. I mean, yeah, I think they'd figure it out. Say, like, yeah. So it's, yeah. Just, it's just bizarre. Like, I, it's it's a weird sort of balance. Um, and I, I don't know. I guess a way that you could have kept them was actually playing a real two quarterback system last year. They didn't really do that. They just sort of put yeah. them into the game. The Emory Jones package. The Emory Jones package I thought worked. Yeah, LSU it looked pretty good. 
It was kind of weird. I guess Kyle Trask. I mean, that was the worst throw I've ever seen in my life on that fourth and goal touchdown. I think he got super lucky on that. Oh, the one that like batted, yeah. <laughs> batted up in the air and yeah. caught for a touchdown. I knew they but... were running the jump pass. Because I came out of that <laughs> yeah. time, I was like, damn, I was running the jump. He's pass. at Florida. It's an <laughs> urban quarterback <laughs> jump pass. <laughs> um, that was weird. They had like they brought in Emory Florida brought in, brought in Emory Jones like to move it between the red zone, but then put their starter back in once they got into the red zone for for the most part. Wasn't um, that the Ohio State plan two years ago? Three years ago? No, Ohio, for a while? Plan, Ohio State's plan in 15 was Cardale moving between the 20s, and then JT comes in after that. Yeah, that but... That was a Tate Martell red zone package last year. Never worked. It worked a little bit for in 2015. It's, that is... And it led to a quarterback. Change. I don't... There's never been a, a, a hist, uh, example in history where that's actually worked. I don't know what Florida did with Leak and Tebow. I don't know if Tebow was like the red zone guy or if they just... Had I think Tebow was the red zone guy because Tebow could get seven yards running right up the uh, tackles back. And everybody on planet Earth knew what was happening, and you still couldn't stop it. That's the best yeah. type of football. No design, just run it, <laughs> and, and it works. But it's funny because, trust me, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm an overreactor, and I swing back and forth like a kid at the park. But I also am looking at Georgia's schedule right now. you got Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, Auburn, Texas A&M, and Georgia Tech left. Yeah, they, play, they play Florida in, in They play Florida right? in Jacksonville. Um so it's not in the swamp. Um, if they win all those games, which I think they absolutely could, you're going to have Fromm leading this team to play Alabama or yeah, it's just a matter of LSU in the SEC championship game, and then they'll they'll be back in the conversation, which is you know funny because it's like next week when Ohio State beats Northwestern by 100, which I think they will, <laughs> and we'll get to. They could play Wisconsin. They could lose that game, and it won't matter. Yeah, well, they'll play again. Likely, most yeah. likely, if because if, they went out, out yeah. Go rails, it's like there are certain games where you know yeah, losses it's don't matter. Like, it's not. It would be different if South. Like, I think South Carolina's three and three now. It would be different if South Carolina wasn't any position whatsoever to make a run in the SEC East and or not, and it probably lost their quarterback probably for the rest of the season. I would assume that was a crazy thing about that game. Like South Carolina beat Georgia really without having to do anything on offense. Like, they scored a defensive touchdown. They scored yeah, didn't they get outgained by, like, 250 yards in that game? Yeah, I think it was, like, it was, 450 to 227 or something. the box score right here. It was uh, – where's the – oh, team stats. Total, total yards, 468 to 297. Uh, yeah. Which is pretty lopsided in favor of the team. Red zone lost. picks, man. Yeah. But it isn't. Like, Georgia season's not over. It's fun to talk about, I guess, if you're an Ohio State fan. And it's good that Georgia lost because you don't want unbeaten versus unbeaten in the SEC championship game. That can cloudy the picture a little bit. But, like, Georgia's not out of this by any stretch. But you did make a reference to Florida, who played LSU on Saturday night. It was kind of a – people were calling it separation Saturday going into this going into the weekend. You had Florida, LSU. You had the – like, no one had Georgia on that, but then Georgia ended up losing. Bama played A&M. Clemson played a terrible Florida State team. Oklahoma played Texas. Um, everyone who you expected to win won other than Georgia. So you're sitting here with Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, all undefeated. Wisconsin and Penn State are also undefeated. Two other Power 5 unbeatens, by the way, Baylor and Minnesota. They don't matter in this conversation. That Minnesota game was crazy. So Nebraska wasn't playing with Adrian Martinez? Yeah, I mean, Minnesota he practiced on them. Friday and then Minnesota housed him. And Minnesota housing anybody is always a surprise because I can't figure that team out for the life of me. Hint, hint. But I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, that was nuts. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Go no, ahead. no, it's okay. I'm excited for Minnesota to get to the Big Ten championship with a number next to its name and then get completely demolished. And then we can talk about it like it's a quality win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, but Cincinnati's a quality win now. 
I, th- I, I listen. I said three weeks ago that I thought Cincinnati would end up being a quality one. They're good. They're not. I mean, they're they're top thirty. I don't good. know if in on November eighteenth, when we're talking about the playoff, if you and I are going to be sitting in this room saying Ohio State beat the number eleven team thirty eight nothing. Cincinnati. Yeah. You think it's possible? We'll say yeah. that. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm a, saying I'm, it's possible. We'll say it. I think we'll both know it's bull. Yeah, it doesn't matter if we think it's bull as long as like the, there's there's a there's the G five ceiling. Like I don't think Cincinnati could ever get higher than like fifteenth. Yeah, um, but I think they could get there. And then if they Ohio win the State, rest of their game, Ohio State's going to have a shutout of a top twenty team when the first playoff rankings come out. I think that's very possible. Yeah. So it might not like if you really broke it down. I don't think it's quite what that was, but that's all but that matters with the playoff. My uh, my thing is everybody sucks. So. Everybody does suck. Speaking of which, after this weekend, we had this conversation after Ohio State won at Nebraska, and we weren't the only ones having it about whether or not Ohio State was the best team in the country. And there's obviously a lot that goes into that. I don't remember. I think I said I wasn't quite ready to go there. I think maybe you went a little farther than I did, but I don't think we definitively said. I always go further. (laughs) I don't think we definitively said whether or not we thought they were the best team in the country. But how do we feel about that question now, after this weekend, now that Georgia has a loss? Clemson keeps beating nobodies. Bama's undefeated. Oklahoma's undefeated. LSU is undefeated with a couple of impressive wins. I watched zero minutes of the Alabama game. I didn't watch and much of it either. I, I, watched I downloaded it, so I'm going to watch it. Um, and I know that they got off to kind of a slow start. But I think beating Texas A&M on the road by 20 is fine. Um, yeah. I think if Ohio State went there and beat Texas A&M 48-27 or whatever the score was, that I would say that's a good win. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll say what I've always said. Since this became a topic, I think Ohio State belongs on the same field as Clemson and Alabama. I don't know if I'm willing to sit here right now and definitively say that they're better. Um, And I'm really looking forward to the Wisconsin game because I actually think Wisconsin's legit. And I don't know if they have four shutouts, which I don't care who you're playing. I think think Ohio State's going to beat them. I think the spread might be like six or something. And I think they're going to beat them by 14 or, or, you know, something like that. But I think Wisconsin is the best team on their schedule, or maybe Penn State. Um, but like, it's one of those two for sure. Yeah, I I just feel like I think it's probably Penn State. Everybody knew that what Nebraska was, and Nebraska went out and showed everybody what they were again. Mm-hmm. So that was like a fake big game. I think that the Wisconsin game is a real big game. I definitely think it's a big game. I still don't think Wisconsin is built to beat a team like Ohio State, particularly on the road. Yeah. Um, unless Ohio State one out of ten times they can. Sure, I just think yeah. you got to be able to throw the ball, and I don't. I just don't see it. And they're actually not even. They, I think they average like three point something yards per carry against Michigan State. They shut them out and they and they killed them. But I didn't. I, I wasn't looking at that game, and I, I watched a little bit of that again. I flipped it off because it was a blowout. But it wasn't like they were chunking Michigan State's defense the entire game. They're they are they are Wisconsin. They're the best version we've seen of Wisconsin, at least in my recent memory. Um, but there's a but diff- we know what they are. There's a talent gap. They're talent gap. Now oh, their defense, just, their defense. I'll be curious to see when they when they get on the field what their speed looks like compared to Ohio State's offense. But I'm not I'm not overlooking the fact that they have four shutouts because that's ridiculous. Um, but I still don't I don't I'm not going to put Wisconsin in this conversation with the other. No, no, I'm not going to put teams. I'm not going to put Wisconsin 16. in the conversation with Alabama and Ohio State. Yeah. What I'm saying is I'm very excited to continue the conversation of whether or not Ohio State belongs in the discussion of top team in the country until after I see that. After they play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry if I made No, no, that. I think I, yeah. I think you I think And you I think that, that that I think we'll learn more about Ohio State in that Wisconsin game. You know, and then after the game they're going to beat them by 50 and then we're going to sit here and say, <laughs> "Well, they're one dimensional. They suck. I can't wait to watch them play Penn State." And it's like we might legitimately have to just wait till the Penn State game to see if they're good. 
And if that's yeah. the way it is, then that's the way it and is. But Penn State's quarterback who was getting happy feet in Iowa City is going to throw four picks against Ohio State and they'll win that game by 20. We're like, well, we'll wait till the uh, Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. I mean, Penn State minus three and a half was what I thought was like the lock of the century. And every single person in Sharp was on Iowa. Oh, really? Because like, it's like that's the Iowa Kinnick game and the yeah. game played out. Like Iowa was the right side. And like Penn State got that extra field goal, I think, at the end of the game to put it over the spread. Yeah. But like I think that game went exactly the way everybody thought it would. Because apparently Kinnick is a tough play to place to play at night. You know anything about that? I've been there one time for a night game, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they looked pretty good that night. Um, I was thinking to myself watching that game, like, how did they lose to Nathan Stanley by that many points? <laughs> Guy's awful. Um, yeah, but when everybody – the critique for Clemson is what? They haven't played anybody, and it's just like, okay, that's fine. They haven't played anybody, and I think their offense has been a little you know, stop and start. Defense is still statistically very good. I think with all of these teams – they're maybe not, Oklahoma, I guess, to a lesser extent, but like Alabama's defense has not been an Alabama defense this year, but their offense is incredible. LSU's offense is awesome, might be the best offense in the country. Their defense is not that good. Um, Clemson is sort of the inverse of that. Defense is still pretty good. The offense is, like I said, been stop and start. Oklahoma has been fairly balanced, but I think of all those teams that are in this conversation for best in the country right now, like Ohio State's the only one you can really look at, and it's pretty difficult to find a hole. And, like, they're one of the teams in the top ten in offense and total defense, right? Yeah, I don't On think – On both sides? I don't think Unless any, anything changed statistically over the weekend? I actually didn't – They, I believe they still are. And I don't think that's true for any of these other teams. Even if they're not, the point remains. So that that's my way of saying if you want to – I would not put Ohio State number one right now. I don't think they should be number one because the schedule has been what the schedule is. And, you know, it's not terrible. I actually looked this up last night. I'm just going to tweet it, and I didn't tweet it. Like the record, the combined record of everyone they played is 23 and 15, and only one of those teams is a losing record. It's Miami, Ohio. It's not terrible, but it's obviously they haven't played. LSU's played Texas and Florida. Alabama has played A&M now. Clemson also played A&M. Oklahoma just played Texas. Like Ohio State has not played a team coming anywhere close to the caliber of any of those opponents. I will yet. say that Ohio State be- belongs on the same field. I think they could beat any of those teams. And I think it's a credit. I think it's a credit to the way Ohio State has played, that you can say that and be right given the discrepancies in, in opponents. And it's not – you take the whole thing into account. On the whole, Ohio State's schedule has probably still been tougher than all those team schedules, but they haven't had that marquee. You need the marquee yet. moment. They haven't had that kind of opponent. I, mean, I think people will give it to place. them for the Wisconsin game. They absolutely will. I yeah. think, like, Ohio State beating Wisconsin the way that LSU beat Florida should count the same if that's the way it turns out. Yeah. Um, I find that to be a very similar matchup, especially because LSU was home. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny that we keep talking about LSU. Who's got the best quarterback between Florida? I mean, between Georgia, LSU, and Ohio State? Because it's like funny to me. It is like so funny to me. Everybody's on the Joe Burrow bandwagon as they should be. The guy's lighting it up. But it's like, is the Heisman Trophy winner this year going to be a guy who transferred because he couldn't win a job somewhere? Most likely, unless Tua wins it, but I don't think Tua's going to win it. I think he could, but I would take the field, and then the field is a transfer because it's either going to be Fields or – Fields, Burrow. Fields, is, I think, is still pretty far behind in that conversation. It's either Burrow or Fields, Hertz. Burrow or Hurts. But, yeah, I think Fields is like a distant fifth. Who did you vote in a Heisman straw poll? Did you send one in this I week? put Burrow number one. So did I. Tua number – or Hurts number two and Tua three. That's what I did, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it's pretty clear that Joe Burrow should be number one in the conversation right now with the way he's throwing the ball. Yeah, and like I think Hurts. I wa- the thing that is weird is, and this is the flaw of the AP poll and all of media voting, but I watched the Texas Oklahoma game and I didn't watch the, F- the LSU game. Mm-hmm. Like I just saw Hurts turn it over two times in the red zone early on in the game, and I was just like, okay, he was moving down a spot. Yeah, because like I had Hurts number one, but now Burrow. I don't know if Burrow threw a terrible pick in the second quarter. I didn't watch it. I don't think he did. I think he completed. But, I think he completed uh, like ninety percent of his passes, something like something absurd like that. We just got a message from our uh, producer, uh, John Hayes, who reminded us that transfers keep winning the Heisman because Oklahoma keeps winning the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray was a transfer. Baker Mayfield was a transfer. I forget who was before him. Okay, here's the craziest question. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stretch out my back here for a second. Who would you rather have as Ohio State's quarterback right now? Fields or Burrow? Fields. Fields. Fields is a better athlete. I think he gives you more in the run game. Uh, he's probably got a stronger arm than Burrow, although Burrow is probably a little more accurate. Um I think I'd still rather have Fields. How how am I allowed the factor upside and the fact that you get two years of Fields in this? Or is it, no, I think, just I think like I if you had it tomorrow. this year, I got to go win a game tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I would take Fields over Burrow because his time is a huge factor. I'm talking about to go win the national championship this year. Who would you want as Ohio State's quarterback? Who's better right now? Uh, the fact that your eyes are rolling back and forth into your skull is insane to me. I would take Fields. Yeah, that's. It's just insane to me how, and it's just, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't, I don't, it's all hypothetical stuff, but this is just a testament to what Fields has done. And I'll sit here in this chair right now and just say, I'm stunned by it. I thought we were going to see a really good athlete, somebody who did some crazy plays, somebody who kept Ohio State in games, who's going to put up a ton of yards and points. I didn't think that we thought, would think he's one of the most complete best quarterbacks in college football. And I guess... You know, it's so funny to to forget, like, you just say, oh, he's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. He doesn't have any experience. you got to give him some time. It's like Trevor Lawrence won the national title as a freshman last year. It doesn't take that long. And that's my favorite thing about college football and my whole theory, and I've written about this, is just like if somebody's going to be great, you can see it from the beginning. You saw it with Olave the second he got onto the field. And you can find all the examples you want in between going back to Maurice Claret in 2002. The truly special players are special Im- immediately. And, like, it's crazy to me that Michael Thomas redshirted in the middle of his career. Because, like, the, what happened with Michael Thomas is, is the atypical route to being great in college football, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know if we need to call him a sophomore anymore. I just, he's one of the best quarterbacks in America. I mean, you take Tua, right? Over fields, I would take Tua, yes. It's like, is he the only quarterback in college football that you would take over Fields right now? Probably. Lawrence? We just are going to name the podcast. Fields is, playing, Fields is playing better right now. I think. Who would you take on your team right now? The fact that there is a pause is amazing. I think I take Lawrence. It is amazing to me. I think I take Lawrence. I would take Lawrence too, but the fact that we're even pausing... At that question right now, a reporter asked um, Justin Fields about being compared to Trevor Lawrence in a re- in a press conference after the 
Indiana game. Indiana game, and I was like, what? Are we doing this now? And maybe this guy was ahead of the game, baby. Shout out Stephen Means. Maybe he was ahead of the game. He was. No. I how are we? There. How are we here? I think we're there. Well, how are we here? It's not unprecedented. I, like I think it's. You said it. Like Trevor Lawrence won the won the national title playing as a freshman last year. Like we are in the era of either young quarterbacks or new quarterbacks thriving instantly. It's not that. Like I know that like Jalen Hurts is older, but like his first year in Oklahoma's offense, he looks awesome. Kyler Murray looked awesome last year at Oklahoma. Like Baker Mayfield was awesome when he got like guys. Guys show up in new offenses and are good right away, and it's a testament to the coaches. I think Ryan Day's done a really good job of building an offense around him. So it's not that crazy to me that that we're at this point. I if you would ask me before the year, I, I probably would have stopped short of saying we'd be at this point. But I, I think thought it, it was possible, even though we picked eleven and one. I thought nine and three was a very rational thought process before the year, with the caveat or the understanding those two words mean different things. But you get what I'm trying to say that Justin Fields was shaky. You could paint a picture of Justin Fields being a new starting quarterback in his sophomore year in a new system going to to Nebraska and crapping his pants. Yeah. Throwing a bad pick in the beginning, the offense sputtering. You know, a four quarters of what we saw in the first quarter against Michigan State a little bit. I think yeah. that, that was a real possibility. You know, Ohio State could have lost games because of it. The fact that we are here two months later or six weeks later wondering and looking at the ceiling about who we'd rather take over in the Trevor Lawrence-Justin Fields discussion is a crazy ascension. And the reason why Ohio State, in my opinion, is going to go undefeated this year. I don't know if they're they're going to go undefeated in the regular season and compete for a national championship. And I know it's fun to discuss who the number one team in the country is. But the best thing about college football in the last four years is that we get to decide it on the field, and I'm really excited to see how that goes because I think Ohio State is unequivocally one of the top four teams right now. Yeah. And if they are, that's all that matters until the end. So I'm not one of these people of, as you know, take it one week at a time. I want to take it ten weeks at a time. But I, I, if they're unequivocally, I'm just picturing you as a head coach up at the podium, but like, uh, you know, we just take a. If I were a head coach or a player, and I was the one being answering these questions, I would be more viral than Mike Leach. Could you imagine if I were a head coach of Ohio State and we were playing Bowling Green right now? Coach, uh, coach, what do you see at a Bowling Green? uh, You know, I got to be honest with you, Bill. this team's got a lot of high aspirations, and you know we got Michigan State in a few weeks, and I don't have time to watch film right now of this other team. <laughs> you know we'll go through it on Friday and just make sure there's nothing in there that we, we we're not prepared for, but we got some bigger fish to fry right now. That'd be refreshing. Go back and watch what game. What, what year was it? I think it was the 1974 Ohio State Michigan game on YouTube, and there's a interview with Woody Hayes before the game. And Woody Hayes was talking like I envision every single coach in the history. It was the 1969 Michigan-Ohio State game. And that was the year that Ohio State had arguably one of the best teams. in. like, they thought they were the best team of all time that year. Yeah. And then they ended up, they in my the opinion, super the year they were the sophomore, super soft. Year. Let me go see what. And then he was talking about, like, well, well, we'll 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 celebrate and we'll call ourselves the best team in America and we'll run it up if we have to and all the things that we have to do to win the game and I think that was the biggest upset in the rivalry's history. 
That's how you'd be if you were the head coach. And you could use – that's how I would be as um, the head coach, and then that's also probably the poster child for not looking ahead. Um, it's the upset of the century. Michigan uh, beat Ohio State. But go look at the interview on your fun, in your spare time um, of that Woody Hayes, and that's how I wish coaches spoke every day. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you – it's choose your own adventure time. Okay. Do you want to talk about the Northwestern betting line, or do you want to talk about the commit Ohio State just got? We'll do both. No, we're going to we'll do, do both. Quick. Which one do you want to do first? first? Okay, I want to talk about betting first because okay. that's the line for Friday's game at Northwestern opened at twenty-five and a half, and I've since I looked this morning, Monday morning, it was a twenty-seven and a half, twenty-eight, some places, so it's going up. In my head, I was like, "Oh, that's a big line," and then I looked at Northwestern is last in the country in offensive yards per play. Last, there are 130 teams playing college football at the FBS level. Northwestern's offense is the worst of all of them. Defense is all right, top 30. What do you think of that line? What did you say it was now? 28. 28 is where I saw. It was the highest I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I see 27 and a half. Um, it is funny to me that I came into the Michigan State game thinking, "How is this team going to score?" And, Michigan, how's Michigan yeah. State going to score? Yeah. How's and Northwestern going to get a first down? Michigan State looked like the greatest show on turf when they played Northwestern. <laughs> so I don't know how good their defense is either. Keep in mind that they will be playing this game on eight-inch thick grass. Mm-hmm. It slows it down. I, <laughs> I watched I – Doesn't talk it about, slow them down too? That's the one thing I never understood Well, they're already about slow, that. but they're already slow. They go from slow to stop, and Ohio State goes from super fast to – And I'm just saying, fast. like, if, if you're five times the speed and your opponent is two times the speed and the grass slows a person down one times the speed – I don't know if this is good math here, but wouldn't you be four <laughs> times the speed and they'd be one times the speed and you'd still be three times yeah, faster? Yeah, in theory, it's slow for everybody. That's the one thing. Maybe, that's like, maybe a, Northwestern. It's like if their linebacker runs a seven-second 40 and he's in grass and now runs an eight-second 40, that means that the five-and-a-half-second 40 that Justin Fields is all of a sudden going to run is still going to burn the faster. crap out of that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, It was. So I've never been. The this grass is, has to be wet. This is the, the last Big Ten stadium for me. Then I'll, I'll have been to all of them. Um but I was watching the Ramies. I wanted to talk about the betting line, and I think Ohio State will cover it. Um, it's because I wanted to talk about the 2013 game, the last time Ohio State played there, which is like the bad beat of all bad beats when Joey Bosa recovered a fumble in the end zone with no time left to help Ohio State cover the spread they weren't going to cover otherwise. I was watching. There was danger they were going to lose that game. They were losing in the fourth quarter, and they yeah. came back and, and, and took the lead and then and then won it. I think they won by 10. Um, yeah, they won 40 to 30. But it was thirty-four to thirty, and, and Northwestern had the ball and then fumbled into its own own zone. I watched that game or part of that game this morning. That grass is super long. I could not believe how like you can't even see their feet. It's so long. I don't know how they get away with it. And like Northwestern, I guess says like it's not a real thing that the grass isn't long. It's it's long. There aren't a lot of natural grass fields to begin with. That stuff is thick. I guess it doesn't really help them, but it's kind of crazy. What was that game like in twenty thirteen? Okay, fun stories about my personal life. Let's hit it. Um, so that was my first year at Cleveland.com. And that was like the fifth game or fourth game of the season, one of my first road trips. And I was working with Zach Meisel, our Indians uh, beat writer at the time, who was covering Ohio State with me at Cleveland.com and Doug Maurice. And I was my one of my first road trips with them. And we got a nice, you know, Fairfield or something downtown Chicago. And we're enjoying the night. And then. Zach and I, uh, you know, we're having some beverages. <laughs> beverages. <laughs> <Are you guys laughs> in 
in the uh, in the hotel room, and I spilled vodka all over my keyboard, which was like, imagine just getting hired by a new company, and you're on your first road trip. They spend five hundred dollars to send you somewhere. You're in a hotel room and you're drinking. You're not just, it's not water. Like I was working really hard transcribing and I accidentally spilled, I spilled vodka while listening to rap music <laughs> while pre-gaming with Zach and some girls he invited over. And then we, uh, so the following morning I had to wake up because the game was a night game, thankfully, and I had yeah. to go to the Apple store. And of course I thought, I'm going to go to the Apple store. I'm going to iron this out. I had my credit card. I was like ready to buy a whole new computer. Um, and then I like remember calling my boss in the morning and saying, hey, I broke my computer. I spilled water on it, which at the time, because it didn't matter what... It, ethically, did it matter? Right? Ethically, do you think it matters what fluid it was? No. no the the point isn't what I was doing. The point is that the yeah. computer is broken. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she later found out it was vodka. But um, she goes, oh, don't worry. No problem. Um, just get through the game, and we have insurance on all of our computers for this type of thing. It happens more than you think. So I, like completely relaxed and doug who you guys a lot of you probably read and have come to know his personality is the psychopath who carries who carried two laptops at at, at that time everywhere he went he had two he had a macbook air and then the company issued macbook i think they're both from the same company yeah and he let me borrow his computer nice it was pouring down rain it was one of those games that people thought was a trap game i was still trying to get acclimated to my new job I remember walking to the parking lot and I was drenched when we got there. One computer was already ruined and uh, I had another computer. And this is another fun fact about me. Kyle Rowland of the Toledo Blade spilled an entire bottle of Coke on my computer laptop at the Sweet 16 against Kentucky the night that the Ohio State lost in 2011 in Newark, New Jersey, like in the second half. And I didn't have a computer. For the biggest upset of Ohio State basketball history, probably. Did you phone your story in? Uh, John Perennis from the Ozone at the time let me borrow his laptop because he wasn't writing for some reason. Um, <laughs> he went to the game, but he didn't have a story to write. Um, and that's how we got here. And that's those are my biggest memories of that game uh, before the game. And then during the game, I remember, holy crap, they're going to lose, and I have to type on a MacBook Air that doesn't work. And... That was Carlos Hyde's first game from for back from the suspension for you know whatever happened with him in the in the in the nightclub earlier on that year, and then he broke down crying after the game was over, and that was a huge viral moment because he like was remorseful for what had happened and you know being emotional for returning back, and I think he had a pretty good game, and that's like what happened in between the lines. I can't really remember. I just remember what happened at the end of the game and like Carlos Hyde coming back and crying and getting emotional. Were people in the press box aware of the bad yes. beat situation when it happened? People were screaming. Really? I, how many people, if you had to guess, are gambling on any given game when we're in a press box? How many people in the press box? In the have? press box are gambling on the game occurring down on the field. I bet you uh, at least 30% probably, of the yeah, people in that like place. 20, 30%. Yeah. Yeah. People lost some money. I think somebody screamed. No, because... The Ohio State, Ohio State people there are right are betting on Ohio State. <laughs> You're gonna go on a road game and take the points. <laughs> take the points. <laughs> I gotta be honest. If I knew that there was a team that was a lock, <laughs> I'd take the points. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Uh, my friend Rob Treya, if he listens if to this, if you took the points in that game, you weren't wrong. It's like our bet on on J.K. Dobbins. You weren't wrong. Yeah. You still lost, but you weren't wrong. Yeah, how's that? What'd you buy with that, by the way? Nothing yet. Did you just invest it. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Treya's uh, motto at Wilco on his tombstone, and one of my good friends who's actually coming in town for the Maryland game, his motto is always take the points. 
And mine is life is too short to not bet the over. I like yours better. You think Ohio State covers easily? Yes. 45-10 is... 45-10 is just like the um, normal win like this, right? Right. I think so. It was 40... They played last year in a Big Ten title game. was 45-24. The last time they played in the regular season was 2016. It was here. Ohio State was dysfunctional on offense that year, and Ohio State won 24-20. to And then the time before that was 2013 in Evanston. The game we just talked about was 40-30 Ohio State. So these games have been close. I mean, way closer than 28, with the exception of last year's Big Ten. But even the Big Ten championship game last year was close for a little bit in the third quarter. And then Ohio State pulled away and won easily. But I would pick Ohio State. What do you think the final score is going to be? Let's just do our picks now. We'll do our picks now and get them out of the way. Yeah, 45 to nothing. 45 nothing. I think you just said they're the worst offense in America. They are, they are, but they also they are the worst offense in America. But they also are, they're coming off a bye week like Ohio State, and I, I'm going to give Pat Fitzgerald a little bit of benefit of the doubt here and say they're going to think of something to move the ball at least early on. So I'll give them a touchdown. Do you do you think that um, 52 to seven they're going to play up this rematch of the Big Ten title game, or is their season so off the rails that that's even relevant now? Northwestern play it yeah. up. Yeah, like they got they us. Have... They got us last year. Let's get them back, boys. I, I mean, they always have uh, something. I remember in that game, I don't remember what the circumstances were for Northwestern. I th- actually think going into that Northwestern game in 13 that we were just talking about, Northwestern was undefeated. I think they were 5-0 they they or, yeah. or something, and they were billing that game as the biggest game in program history, and that too was a night game. And, like, Evanston was, like, rowdy, and the entire stadium was sold out. It was all purple. And I think it was, it was like, raining really bad. Yeah. And it was like the perfect storm for Northwestern to actually almost win that game. I just don't know what the thing is going to be. Can you go on to check the weather history right now? I'm going to look. I'm looking to see what the weather's supposed to be like in Evanston. Yeah. On Friday, so like the rain game, game pick. Like that. That was a pretty solid Northwestern team by Northwestern standards, and I remember that they actually played a really good game. That's when they had Kane Coulter and Trevor yeah. Simeon going back and forth the quarterback. Friday in Evanston, Illinois says. Uh, Partly cloudy, 60 degrees. Partly cloudy at night, 51 degrees. Yeah. Looks looks quite pleasant. going to be nice. There's a 20% chance of precipitation, which will probably go up because it's a Big Ten game yeah. for Ohio State, and it'll be miserable. If it's in Champaign, Illinois, it's 100%. The wind was howling for Michigan last week when they were in Champaign. The wind's always howling when you're playing. Yeah, I, can I ask you about that before we get to the, yeah. the other commitment? Um, did they almost lose? I just like looked down at my phone and there was like nine minutes left, I think, and they were only up by like six or something. Yeah, they tried. They tried to give the game away. As far, I mean, again, I didn't watch it. I don't know I'm, if they almost lost, but that I, was I like, read. I read what our guys Austin Meek and Nick Baumgartner write, and then I follow Twitter, and it looked like they were trying to give that one away there for a second, but they didn't. So they suck. Is that what we're are we saying that now? Or? They play Penn State at Penn State on Saturday night, and I think Michigan's defense is still pretty good, but I also think it's possible that Penn State beats them by thirty. Really. Yeah. So they suck. I think they might suck. Or at least they can't figure out how to coach the talent at their disposal. All right, let's go ahead and do a quick uh, search of the spread on that game because I have it up here. Penn State is minus seven. Seven? Yeah, I'd pick Penn State to cover that. Although Penn State, historically in the whiteout, has not been very good. I feel like Penn State never looks good in big games. The exception was when they destroyed Michigan in 2016, I think. I know, but when they beat them, didn't Michigan like seven, miss like eight players seven. out of their game? Weren't they like really decimated by injuries in that game? Yeah, I think they might have been. It was like Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley went nuts. It's like Penn, like I think we're waiting. You know how last year when James Franklin went on that rant about 
trying to like match the level of eliteness that Ohio State has. Yeah. It's like I know winning these games is important, but and you know these stats better than I do. Um off the top of your head, but I think James Franklin has like two or three wins against AP top 15 teams or something like this that. This is his first win against a ranked opponent on the road when they just beat Iowa. And I know I know that winning at home is a big deal, but like go beat the crap out of Michigan, you know? And then we'll talk about being elite, you know? If they play, I'll say this because just 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 based on how the season is going so far. If they if that spread is accurate and they play a tight game with Michigan, Penn State is not as good as we think they might be. I think they should win that game by multiple touchdowns based on how the season's gone so far. Penn State's defense is very good. It's at home. Michigan's offense is terrible. And Penn State's offense is not great, so I get it if they don't score 50 on that defense. But if they're playing a touchdown game with Michigan at home at night, they're not as good as we thought they were. And then Ohio State's going to coast to the Big Ten Championship and then probably beyond that. I think that's a really exciting game to want to watch. Yeah, it's cool. It's Four like quarters got, of that game. Since so yeah, it's like you got to watch this separation week with Ohio State off, and Ohio State plays Friday, and you get to watch games on Saturday without having to worry about watching Ohio State. I cannot wait, and I don't know what our plans are. We'll be back in time for that. We'll be back in time for the game. I'm just talking about all day. I just want to lay on my ass and watch games. Yeah, we got to drive back at some point on Saturday. Should we just wake up at four or five a.m. to make sure we're back by the noon games? We're also covering a night game on Friday night. We'll see. We'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk right. re- uh, recruiting, recruiting real quick before we get out of here. Ohio State got a commitment on Sunday from four-star cornerback Ryan Watts. He's from Little Elm, Texas. Is this it for them, secondary recruiting-wise? Yes. He's the f- fifth, right? They have Legend Cavazos and Clark Phillips, yep. Lathan Ransom, and Cam Martinez, who's like an athlete but most likely going to play in the secondary. And they add Ryan Watts to this former Oklahoma commit, decommitted a couple weeks ago. Like finalized his decommitment on Saturday, which was kind of weird, and then flipped to Ohio State. What does that mean? What do you mean? Finalized his decommitment. He like sent out another like thank you to Oklahoma. It was like he's decommitted, and then he's like, okay, but I'm really severing the ties now. And then he like flipped the next day officially. Um, that's like a double. That's a double dip. It's a double. It's a double decommit. It's <laughs> a double decommit. It's a double. There's a bunch of retweets involved. I, I yeah. get that building the brand. Yeah. So I need to take a trip out to Texas, don't I? Where is Little Elm, Texas? It's a Dallas suburb. Nice. I think. Let me Google map shit again. No, I don't know. I, I Googled where Cavante. Um, Cavante Bradford. Bradford is, and that's a suburb of Texas. Want to do another road trip with me, bud? Maybe. Little Elm, Texas. Where is it? It, it pulled up Dallas. Yeah, it's uh, north of Dallas. Nice. On a on Louisville Lake, sounds lovely. There's a lot of talent in the Dallas area that Ohio State. They're doing it again. Looks like they're doing Looks it again. Like if they can get again. the Bradford legend, legend is also from Dallas, right? Even yeah. though he plays at IMG. Um, Does that he, count? I think it counts. I don't. I, I I think for a school like IMG, unless the kid is actually from Florida, I don't give you credit for pulling a kid out of Florida. I think people need to look past the name of the school in that particular situation. Because they're also recruiting families and parents that live elsewhere. Right. right. But. Ohio State in 2017. This is this is a very significant commitment for Ohio State because I, I think everybody knew that it was trending this way when he decommitted from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is, is that you're talking about another high end four star um, cornerback who raises in top 20 corner in the country. He's number 19, right? Number 19 overall, number 40 in the state of Texas, 258 nationally. He's not a high end fi- uh, four star infringing on a. Or, a fringe five-star, but he is a legit player 
who also had um, offers from Notre Dame, obviously Oklahoma, Alabama, and others. Um, but you got to remember, in 2017, Ohio State's 2017 classes, defensive backs that they pulled in were ridiculous. And now you're starting to see the fruits of that labor. I mean, we're talking about Jeffrey Okuda, Sean Wade. Um, Marcus Williamson. I say a prior Marcus Williamson and Kendall uh, Sheffield and Amir Reed. That, that all was in one class in 17. And now yeah. some are in the NFL like Sheffield and some are going to be top five picks this year and Sean Wade. And the reason why Ohio State's defense is so freaking good this year is because the 2017 classes um, has a heavy fingerprint on it, right? Yeah. Now we're talking about the number one question for the 2020 team on our podcast on Friday discussing what's Ohio State's secondary going to look like next year, and it's scary. I mean, if you look at it, you know, with Okuda potentially leaving, obviously leaving, obviously. not potentially, Sean Wade potentially leaving. Yeah. And, you know, creeping and then Jordan Fuller, Jordan Fuller is gone because he has Arnett's no choice, gone. and Damon Arnett is gone. Their entire secondary is gone. Yep. So, like, this is replenishing the well a little bit from the bottom up. Now they got to fill in the gaps and have some guys that you don't want two freshmen, but I think there's a legit chance that one of these freshmen is going to be a starting player in Ohio State secondary next year. Yeah, I think it's And possible. if you look at what Alabama's doing down there in Tuscaloosa, I think they've got seven freshmen starting in their lineup on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think that we're starting to get closer to the to the era in college football where some of these guys who go through these camps and the training, and it's like these guys are coming into college so much more prepared than they used to to play at a high level that they're like, I mean, I, who's the number one example of like player ready that you can think of in Ohio state's recent history, like college ready to play immediately freshman year. I mean, Chase Bosa, young, Chase young, Nick Bosa body wise. Yeah. Nick what about often? Like what about like a skill position on defense or offense? Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Garrett Wilson. Probably we, we thought that about Austin Mack when he got here and then it didn't pan out that way. Yeah. Maybe Garrett Wilson. Trayvon Grimes was another JK one. Dobbins. Maybe JK Dobbins. Yeah. Um, so it happens, but I, I do think that if you have five guys coming in like this, um, one of them is going to have to be ready. I think. Yeah. I think at Watt, least to be in the rotation. I think Watts is interesting. He's almost six, three, he's 190 pounds. And I think you can envision him playing closer to 200 in college. And I wonder if you watch his like his high school highlights, which always come with a caveat like they show you all the good plays never the bad plays he's moving around a little bit it looks like he was even playing some linebacker at times or at least like in the slot and helping support the run he, he what he does or what he was doing on, on those plays reminded me of what they have sean wade doing now and he's a little bigger for that spot but i think one thing you're seeing with the way ohio state's recruiting defensively is there's a lot of versatility i think i think watts could be a, a multi-positional kind of guy like cam martinez is an athlete who could even end up playing offense um, but I think he could either play corner or safety. Um, Court Williams is a linebacker, but I think could also be a safety, and, and he'll he'll be a bullet eventually. And and it's not to say that Ohio State hasn't recruited guys with the athlete tag before, because they certainly have. But it's easier to see, I think, how these guys can fit into the offense, and that and that down the road they don't necessarily have to be hemmed into one position. I think you could see these guys playing multiple positions, like Sean Wade plays. Nickel corner, strong safety. Even sometimes with the way they they bounce their linebackers around and, and react to motion, he's playing linebacker, um, and he's not the traditional build of that. But he can do it because he can hit and he can he can react to the run game well. And, and Watts might be the next kind of guy in that mold. That's like my biggest question I have about Ohio State's defense next year is more specific than like what's going to happen in the secondary. It's like who's going to play Sean Wade's position because I think that position is super important to how they want to play. And I guess Sean Wade could stay. My guess would be that he's gone. Um, if he comes back, it's huge. But I think he's gone. 
And then I don't know who play. I don't know who who on the roster you can look at and say, okay, this guy has corner skill. He can play safety. He can play a little bit of linebacker if you need him to. I think it's a really diverse skill set. And Watts looks like maybe he can be that kind of guy down the road. So I think it was an important get for them, even though he's not a fringe five star prospect. You got to grab your cup. That was a long rant there. My Flyers cup. Flyers. I was looking at. I'm looking at Texas's. Uh, in all three games. Texas's top ten players in the state of Texas in 2020. And Texas has number nine and ten, and none of the other ones. Really? And I'm trying to think, like, damn. Are they dude. committed elsewhere? Yeah, all of them, but the number one player in the state, Zach Evans, the running back, who's probably going to Georgia. Because that was a huge so, deal in tw- like in 17, Ohio State got Okuda and Browning and Dobbins, and yeah. then it was like, oh, Texas needs to bounce back, and then they and then, did in 18. They yeah, got, and then like, last year Ohio State got Garrett Wilson, which was right. a huge deal, and then now you got Texas A&M's got number two player in the country, the number four player in the country, and the number six player in the country. OU's got the third player in the country. Now in Texas? In Texas, sorry, not in the country. Sorry for saying that. In Texas, to be clear. Um, and uh, Alabama's got number five. Ohio State's got number eight. And then uh, Hudson Card, that quarterback that Ohio State was recruiting for a little Lake bit um, from Lake Travis, is committed to Texas. And, um, you know, number 10. So, be interesting. I think Ohio State's got a top 10 player in Texas for like five straight years. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, it's always going to be a spot for them. Like Ryan Day, Ryan Day recruited down there when he was an assistant. I think he knows the value of staying down there. And yeah, if, if if Bradford is Ohio State's number one, and I think I'm going to do this this week. I'm going to rank Ohio State's top ten remaining targets. Um, Bradford and Wisconsin. It's like a fifty fifty battle for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I want to like write a story uh, next week about this. Uh, I was thinking about is that like I don't want to give story away, but like Bradford should just tweet whoever wins this freaking game. I'm going to play there. It's always funny. Wouldn't it be know. cool if that was like a, there were stakes involved? Yeah, if you can, it's it's a funny thing. I think when kids are. Like Jonathan Taylor was committed to Rutgers, and then he flipped to Wisconsin and became a, he's now a five thousand career rusher. I also think with the way they play offense, like somebody else could very well be just as productive as Jonathan Taylor has been. And like the guy who was going to go to Wisconsin before Jonathan Taylor is Antonio Williams, and he flipped to Ohio State, and now he's at North Carolina. But like, would Antonio Williams be Jonathan Taylor right now if he would have just stuck with this commitment? Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is so freaking good. I know, but he was like a three, three star. No, no, I know, I know, I know. And they didn't have much in the way of other Power Five offers. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he's certainly aided by the system that he plays. And I'm not saying anyone can go there. And of course. Oh no, yeah, I know. But I'm. But it's like Cavantre Bradford is weighing like, do I want to go to Ohio State and compete for a national championship and maybe be the bell cow back, or maybe I'm splitting carries with Master Teague, or do I want to go to Wisconsin where there's a clear ceiling? I think on what you can be as a program, but you're going to get 30 carries a game and rush for 4,000 yards. What's Ohio State's running back sales pitch right now? Has it been updated since Ezekiel Elliott, or is that still the pitch? I mean, J.K. Dobbins, is, I tweeted the stat out because I was actually taken aback by it. We were putting together, Matt Brown for the uh, Athletic was putting together like our midseason All-American, and I was like, who's, who in the offense should we nominate? And I, I threw out J.K. Dobbins' name, which might sound a little crazy, but he's second in the country in rushing yards, total rushing yards and rushing yards per game. He has 26 second-half carries all year. Six games, 26 carries in the second half, and he's still number two in the country in rushing and rushing yards per game. I think that's Ohio State's sales pitch, and I think it works. I think maybe they were dealing a little bit of a perception issue based off last year and how much they threw the ball and how bad they were running the ball, but I don't think that was the reality of what Ohio State has been and what it wants to be moving forward. I think they're still very much... I feel like Ohio State has an amazing sales pitch. Come play for a national championship every year. Be a major cog in the offense. I hate the word cog, but cog. I say it sometimes. I like cod. 
Fried cod. Fried cod. Um, come potentially re- meet your potential and be developed at the place that developed the highest paid running back in the world. Yeah. Um, is nice. But there's also has to be some accountability and some, you know, examination of how they lost the three players that they thought they were going to have that position already. And I think um, maybe that, you know, and part of it last year might be part of that. And, and yeah. Yeah. And, uh, also, where they live, I think that sometimes we forget how hard it is to recruit players who live in Tucson. Like, it's not supposed to be like, oh yeah, they lost the guy from yeah. Tucson. We're shocked. Like, yeah. the guy lives in Tucson. Love Tucson. You never been to Tucson? Have not. Love Arizona though. They have Sonoran dogs in We're Tucson. Gonna... Do they have those anywhere else? Sonoran dogs. Do you know what that is? Is it an animal or a food? It's a food. <laughs> no, I don't know. What Sonoran it is. hot dog. It's uh, a different type of bun that's sliced in the middle. And they oh, have these like flavorful like hot dogs. Lobster roll. Yeah, kind of roll. yeah. That kind of roll. Hot dogs wrapped in bacon and cooked with bacon wrapped around them. Nice. I'm put in. into the hot dog. And they put like pico de gallo and like, you know, Mexican flavors, mustard and mayonnaise on it. I'm in. And like that's like Tucson's claim to fame. When Ohio State is in the Fiesta Bowl in January. Two hours to lunch. It's in December. We're going to drive to Tucson for Two a Two hours dog. to lunch. I've done, I've done more for less. I once drove two hours for lunch. I'm not above driving two hours for lunch. Yeah. That's good. I'm sure they probably have places in Phoenix that serve the dish. I want to go to the original. <laughs> okay. Let's um, go. Let's I did not go to John's of Bleecker, everyone. Um, oh, it didn't, yeah. It didn't I make, it, make it there. Um, and I'm very Did devastated about that. I didn't get I didn't get any pie. I was with my girlfriend who's very health conscious. And we went to some uh, place that serves chicken and bone broth and you know it's healthy it's healthy you know (laughs) these these women like it's like they want us to live longer or something (laughs) yeah um but i i'm very disappointed because i'm very intrigued i think the guy from barstool is kind of a crazy person Mm -hmm. but if somebody eats pizza as much as he eats it in those pizza reviews and is giving and that's the highest score of any place he's ever had that is automatically intriguing to me yeah i trust the takes on pizza He's been pretty good so far. He rated very highly a place that I grew up going to in Philadelphia, so I respect Yeah. It. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some pizza in Chicago this week. All right, we'll wrap up there. Ohio State on Friday. I really hope he doesn't listen to this and then, like, attack me publicly and then have all the barstool people in I my mentions. You think we'll be good? Oh, now, now that you've said that, maybe not. <laughs> we'll see. Stay tuned to see if Ari gets the barstool army after him on Twitter. Uh, Ohio State Friday at Northwestern. It's a 7.30 Eastern time kick, I believe, on FS1. Uh, we'll be there. We'll have a podcast for subscribers before then. What? Yeah, I was going to say, like, when is our podcast next? Probably Thursday. we gotta, we got to hash that out, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to guess Thursday because of the, the Friday kickoff time. And that will be the Q&A for subscribers. If you want to get a question in, you can subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash 4-6. Again, I'll ask to please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple iTunes, Apple iTunes are the same thing. Google, Spotify. What do you got? Plug your story. My story. Oh, yeah. Plug your story. I'm going to have a story that's going to run on The Athletic on Tuesday about the uh, 2000 Northwestern offense, which was Kevin Wilson as the offensive coordinator, Randy Walker as the head coach. There was a heavily, heavily heavy influence on Urban Meyer, and also, it turns out, I think a little bit on Ryan Day. Um, so that'll run on Tuesday. You should read it. I'd appreciate it. He hasn't written yet, but I think we know it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. I had a long conversation with Kevin Wilson about it last week. I think it'll be good. And I had a conversation with Urban Meyer about it. I'm excited to write Should it. I tease my story, or is it too far in the future? Just tease it. I'm comparing Ohio State's 2021 class to the 2002 class. 
and how it's very Ohio heavy. And I know you guys get fired up about Ohio talent on the Ohio State roster. I don't know uh, when it's going to run. Maybe Thursday, maybe next week, maybe never. But, you know, we'll see. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's our plan right now for the next two big things we're going to drop. So stay tuned with us. Landis, I didn't mean to hijack your <laughs> goodbye. So you go ahead. Do it. We'll see you later this week. <laughs>